All right, sports fans. 9.02 on this Thursday evening, November 18th. Hokies play in Miami in two days. Coral Gables. Miami Gardens. Hard Rock Stadium. Guys, we're bringing on the pride of Fredericksburg, Virginia. Mike McDaniel onto the pod this evening. And we're going to preview Miami. We're going to chat about their offense and their defense and and learn a little bit about the storylines of today's game, the first game of the J.C. Price era. My name is Pat Finn. I'm coming in live from Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, this should be a fun time. Mike, how's it going, man? Uh, I didn't think at the start of this week we'd be talking about interim head coach J.C. Price. What in the world? On a Tuesday, we're going to fire Fuente? Tuesday morning? Tuesday morning. That's when we're doing it, huh? Okay. And it's it's all like, I wonder when they told Coach Fu when he would be relieved of his duties. Because I know you were saying that you thought it was peculiar in the post-game presser after, after uh, the Duke game. Mm-hmm. Hey, are you going to take this into, take this momentum into Miami? And what did he say? It was like the most total non-answer ever, but he was basically like the gist of it was, I'm just going to enjoy this one, which I mean, you kind of kind of have to like go back and look at his facial reaction when he's answering the question, you get kind of the general gist of it, but something seemed a little odd. It wasn't a prototypical Fuente answer. Let's put it that way. Like you'd be getting a little bit more out of him normally when you, when you would ask that question he was just like, yeah. I'm just going to enjoy this. We'll see what happens. Cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. So, and, and, and winning on senior day is right. worth, is worth the comment. So unless you, right. you know, kind of double clicked in and, and really analyzed that statement, it was, uh, yeah, it was a little different, but yeah. Anywho, anywho. So, um, before we, before we jump into hokey haikus and, and pharmacies on main street, a couple things to announce here. First and foremost, Locks of Saturday, led by Sam Jesse, will be on the back half of this pod. So get excited for the Locks because they're a ton of fun and we got a good slate. Another good November slate coming your way this weekend. Actually, it's, Duke, it's entertaining, I promise. <laughs> Duke and Louisville is on right now. Duke defense showing us uh, that they are bad in consecutive weeks. Also, Hashtag football school. Yes. Virginia Tech men's soccer got a big dub earlier over the Campbell Camels at Thompson Field 2-1 to one in the NCAA tournament. That's a big-time dub. Um, actually, saw this earlier this week. Virginia Tech men's soccer is the only team. <sighs> I, I wish I had the graphic in front of me. It's like I think we've made the – NCAA tournament five or six years in a row. And we're one of like three or four schools to do that pretty solid. And also the only school from the state of Virginia, Commonwealth of Virginia to make the tournament this year, the boys coach Briz's boys will be headed to Morgantown to advance to the next round of the tournament, play the Mountaineers on Sunday, I believe at one o'clock. Hopefully it goes better than the actual football team's trip to Morgantown. Yes. Hashtag football in Morgantown will be better this time around. Yes. Shout out. Shout out to Hokies men's soccer. Um, Also, shout out to Hokies women's basketball. Absolutely crushing teams. We beat Coppin State earlier this week by like 50 points. Uh, Dubs of Saturday. Billy Ray actually sat down with 
Coach Brooks, with Asia Shepard and Elizabeth Kitley earlier today and chatted about, uh, you know, the season, how far they've come and where they're going this year. It's going to be a ton of fun. I believe that will be getting published on Sunday or Monday. Stay tuned. Huge things to come from the women's basketball team here. Can't wait for ACC play to open up as well for, for the, uh, the lady Hokies. Fun facts, Asia Shepard leading the country in threes made. Elizabeth Kitley leading the country in blocks. Georgia Amore leading the nation in assists. What happens when you have those three star, star-powered uh, players on your team, Mike? We're so loaded in women's hoops, Pat. Like, loaded, loaded. Like, real good. Potential for the women's team to be better than the men's team. Like, we're real good, the women's hoops. And we know we got high expectations on the men's side. They're playing right now as we record this. But, yeah, man, Kitley's look good. It feels like every time I turn on a highlight, Asia Shepard's, like, just hitting a bunch of threes. Like, she had a, um, a pull-up and transition the other night. Like, fast break. She goes, no, I'm good. I'm just going to stop right here and take this three. And her shot is so wet, Pat, making everything. Unreal. Loaded. Sons of, sons of love to see it. Uh, tech, you know, funny Campbell, the camels, it's not hump day, but we will be playing the Campbell camels on Saturday, November 20th, uh, two days from now at two o'clock women's basketball and then Missouri state on the 26th. Um, all right. So hokey haiku brought to you by our good friends at the main street pharmacy guys, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by Dr. Lord, Jeremy counts, the King of main street. I'm sorry. Moe's Jeremy counts owns main street. Um, what are some other arbitrary main street, you know, restaurants? I don't know. Uh, Cabo. <laughs> this ad read needs to get better. Jeremy, we love you. We know you love Blacksburg. We know you love the Hokie community and we love you. Um, stop in your next Blacksburg visit when you're going in for a women's basketball game, when you're going in for a wrestling match, guys totally forgot. Wow. Wow. Let's set some attendance records tomorrow night. Virginia yes. Tech wrestling. Huge, huge uh, opposition tomorrow night. Ohio State, right? Yes, Ohio State. Yeah, it's, it's a big one. Top 10 matchup. I mean, that's going to be massive. What, just so much going on right now in Blacksburg, in Hokie land. I know J.J. Singleton is already in town uh, for that one. Castle's going to be rocking. They're trying to set some attendance records, so please – Head on in to the wrestling match tomorrow night if you're around. I'm really hoping it's on HC Network, too, because I will be around. My um, man JJ was on the road at like 6.30 this morning. That man was moving to Blacksburg. I saw his tweet. I was like, man, he's he's on the move. He's ready. Ready to rock. Got to get there early. Early and yep. often. Yep. Um, but, yeah, wow. We're still talking about uh, the Main Street Pharmacy. Head on in there and uh, <laughs> say what's up to Jeremy. Tell him I said hello. All right. So, Two hokey haikus submitted this week. First one comes from L Power Brooks. Is it only me? Sad to say goodbye to Foo. Cautiously hopeful. Well, L, after today's JC presser, <laughs> a price presser, a price presser, I am cautiously hopeful as well. And then Grady Baker comes in hot. Night game at Hard Rock. Bowl eligible with win. Let's do this, Hokies. 
I'm excited. Are you excited? Hokies by a thousand. <laughs> so let's move on in to Hokie history. Virginia Tech versus Miami. If you go on to your NCAA football 2004 on your GameCube and you got Virginia Tech on one side <laughs> and Miami, oh my Miami on the other, you put these two, two, uh, two schools together and in the middle will come two football helmets and up top it says rivalry game. That's right. Um, these schools don't like each other. These, these fans don't like each other. I don't know if anyone likes Miami fans. They're not necessarily the greatest people, but there obviously this game has not meant that much over the last few years, you know, aside from 28, uh, not 2018, 2017, 2016. And then, um, you know, 2011 and years before that game has not really packed a punch. It's kind of like the Virginia tech, Georgia tech game as well. Both schools have not had solid programs over the last, you know, decade, honestly, that being said, talk to Dwight Vick. You know, talk to any Hokie who played on the team in the late 90s, the early 2000s, man. This is the game, the Miami game. Um, is one of the reasons you wanted to play at Virginia Tech, says Dwight Vick. Um, you know, going back to 1995, the first time we ever beat Miami, this has always been a very competitive, very emotional, hard-nosed football contest. So if, if we want to talk about Hokie history here, to give you the high level, this will be our 39th meeting with the Miami Hurricanes. Miami has won 23 of them. Virginia Tech has won 15 of them. Our last time out was during COVID last year. Miami won 25 to 24. Uh, one of the, I mean, <laughs> it's almost like that game was played during this season because, I, of, yeah, with the way it ended. <laughs> the way it yeah. ended. We have a late lead. And we give it away with, you know, a minute left. It is kind of funny that uh, I guess our four most recent losses in lane, three of them ended very similarly. Yes. That feels like, man, that Miami loss feels like eons ago because we've had so many close losses since then. It's painful. <laughs> I went to that game and we thought, I mean, everyone was pretty fired up. We thought we had won the game. It's just like Notre Dame. But um yeah, we lost 25 to 24 to Dara King, who did not look like uh, who did not look that good, uh, by the way. But let's see. Okay, let's let's take a walk down memory lane. 2019. Big time comeback win after that Duke debacle in Coral yep. Gables. Uh 42 to 35 victory. Hendon Hooker show. That was the Hendon Hooker coming out party. And I was a little disappointed to see. On the series snapshot on Hokiesports.com, it highlights the 2019 game. And it says Dalton Keene hauled in five passes for 73 yards and a team-high three touchdown receptions. Defensively, Waller and Farley had two picks each. Nothing about Hendon Hooker. Nothing. Of course not. Of course not. Like, I understand, I understand birthday wishes and and, you know, recognizing XYZ alumni who might be in the NFL or on rosters or whatever. But I feel like it's kind of like, how, how are we not going to put in Hendon Hooker, you know, leading the team in passing, leading the team in rushing and having four total touchdowns and getting us back on track. You know, let's, let's make sure that, uh, that he's put in there next time. This is what we do. We alienate 
players who have meant a lot to us. That's what we do. So let's let's continue to root for Hendon, who is having a tremendous <laughs> tremendous season here uh, at Killer. at uh, at Tennessee. He's um, been great. He has. All right. So other notable games: 2016, eight sacks in Blacksburg on a Thursday night. We won 37 to 16. That was the uh, that was the that was the defense show, and that was the offense show. I mean, Bucky had a good game. Sam Rogers, Gerard, Trayvon McMillan had a good game. Um, you know, the Edmonds brothers showed out. Mo Tuapuaka had a good game. Trayvon Hill was pretty good that game as well. Um, that was probably the last elite football game played in Lane Stadium. I would say, as far as like a com- complete four quarter game. Yeah. Five years ago. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. And then, man, you got to go all the way back to 2011 for another classic. Third in Logan. No, fourth in Logan. Fourth yeah, down. I was there. One. Freshman. Mike McDaniel's first big time game at Lane. That was unreal. I was sitting, uh, I was sitting with my dad right behind the core cadets because I had my seats were way, way, way up in East. And my dad was like, I got, I got tickets like right behind the core. I'm like, this is a huge game. I'm sitting down there. Like, let's do it. And we sat right behind the core, man. That I had never heard Lane that loud. That was unreal. That's still probably one of the two or three loudest games I've ever been to for four quarters. I mean, the every they all have the uh, the Enter Sandman shot at the end. I know that's like the you know the Alonzo Tweedy sack at the end or the tackle and. That's like the moment in that Miami game, but it was loud for four quarters, man. That was wild. That atmosphere was crazy. Mike Patrick, these people are losing their minds. Or, Mike uh, Patrick, yeah. The best line is now when Miami wants to talk about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You hear understand, man, in the background. Oh, man. Al Golden losing his mind in a different Golden sense. With his tie. You know, yeah. the, um, I think the last three, the last three big wins in Lane Stadium – I would say Carolina this year, Miami 2016 and Miami 2011. I don't know if there's yeah. anything else sprinkled in there, but um, and then uh, if we could talk about you know a little further back in the history book, the 2008 game, or excuse me, the 2009 game was a huge one. Uh, downpour. Ryan Williams had a great game. Tyrod, you know, defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown, incredible performance. 2007, Tyrod's. True freshman year, uh, beat Miami at home. Justin Harper had a pretty sweet touchdown catch that day. 2004, the inaugural ACC season for the Hokies. Eddie Royal touchdown to seal the game in the Orange Bowl. It was one of the last games ever played. Or uh, No, Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl uh, was what? 2006 was the last season of the Orange Bowl? 2007? That sounds right. It was in that time frame, though. I can yeah. tell you right now. I gotta check you right the, now. Yeah, check the Wikipedia. Yeah, hitting that right now. Let's see. Of course, it pulled up the freaking Capital One Orange Ball. Now I'll, I'll keep working on. It. <laughs> Continue. We'll do, we'll do two more. Thirty-one-seven in Lane Stadium in two thousand three. Give it to me, Roscoe. Give it to me, and then we'll finish up. Oh, we'll do a bonus. We'll finish up with ninety-nine. Michael Vick just terrorized. Miami at home in Blacksburg, 43 to 10 and 1995, the game that everyone's talking about this week, JC price four sacks, including one uh, at the very end of the game to help seal the game. He's and a player. 
and Virginia Tech's first ever win against the Miami Hurricanes. And mind you, we had started the season 0-2, and the Miami win kicked off a 10-game winning streak. We beat Texas in the Sugar Bowl, and the rest is history. We went on to win, actually, the next five against Miami uh, after that. So we dominated Miami in the late 1990s. Hokey history. Woo. I got you on the Orange Bowl. Uh, you were right. You were right the first time after 2007 season closed. Demolished gotcha. 2008. You're right, gotcha. money. I'm pretty sure the last game ever in the Orange Bowl, UVA beat them 48-0. That is correct. On November 10th, 2007. <laughs> Boom. Boom, baby. That's uh, that's a little bit of a who history for you. <laughs> okay. Well, I, so. love, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Storylines, Mike. We got a lot of storylines for this game. What are yeah, your uh, What are your top two or three storylines heading in here? <laughs> start with the fact that Justin Fuente is no longer the head coach. I think I'll start there. Um, that's a big one. I mean, we have interim coach J.C. Price, and he was preaching in the press conference today about how he wanted things to be different going into the game with like prep and stuff like that. But when he was asked, like what kind of head coach are you going to be? I think Andy Bittermind asked it. Like, what kind of head coach do you think you're going to be? He said, I guess we'll find out. And I mean, I'll run through a wall for that guy. Are you kidding me? Uh, he's like, yeah, I think we'll find out. He, he was like, I'll try to be more reserved and less of like the defensive line coach, just like amped up, fired up. But he said, no promises if I don't agree with the call on the field. So uh, interested to see what changes? I mean, I don't expect anything drastic, obviously, but I do think that it'll be interesting to see early on what the team looks like coming out. How motivated are they to play? Um, you know, are they playing inspired football? Cause it's been a really tough week. I mean, your head coach was fired on Tuesday morning and then you got to go practice. It's like, okay, like business as usual, but it's not. So that's a huge storyline. Second biggest storyline, uh, Manny Diaz on the other side, uh, he might be next, Pat, because his athletic director was fired this past week. And now Manny Diaz, who looked like he was starting to trend back in the direction of potentially keeping his job, loses a tight game to a rival in Florida State, a game that they were late. Miami was leading that game late. They were down early. They come back. They take a lead. Then they lose the game at the end, and now your athletic director's fired, and now your coach, I mean, Manny Diaz is coaching for his job every week, but now he's in a spot where, like, man, what do you do? I got to do a quick timeout because I'm watching the coverage of this Tech basketball game right now, and they're going over the all-name team. So I just got to get, oh, okay, wait, hang on, hang on. All right, so I hate to interrupt you, Mike, but... In this Tech Basketball broadcast, they are showing the all-name team. Obviously, this comes up because Storm Murphy is on our team, right? Right, right. Um, And we're currently winning by 18. You know, we had a slow start, but it seems like the boys have taken control of St. Francis of Pennsylvania. Storm Murphy, Philandrius Fleming Jr. in Florida, Polly Polly Polycap on West Virginia. (laughs) What? Fats Russell, F-A-T-T-S Russell on Maryland. Leaky Black on Carolina. We Leaky all know Black. Who he is. Lovely he Black. Chris Cross. <laughs> Chris Cross. Who does Chris Cross play for? Chris Pat? Cross, I, got, I, got, I got to walk over to the TV and, and squint to see. 
I have I have zero clue what that logo is. And then uh, the last one is Boo Booey from Northwestern. So college basketball and college sports are the best. That's that's really all I'm going to say here. But uh, yeah, sorry, Mike. Keep uh, keep talking. Uh, no, Manny Diaz coaching for his job too. And then oh, uh, this is not really a storyline for the game. It's just a storyline going into it. Trey Turner is uh, busting his ass down to. Coral Gables because of his long throat air pocket issue thing he's going through. So he's basically riding with the equipment guys down to Coral Gables to be able to play. So shout out Trey Turner. That is awesome. And also such a bummer, but Trey, we love you. We always have no one will ever, uh, no one will ever question your dedication and your commitment to this football team and it was awesome to see you get a big time win last week on senior day. Um, hopefully the tunes are good. You know, whoever's on the ox, maybe a little license plate game, yellow car punch buggy, you know, uh, what's the PG cruiser game. So um, shout out to Trey, some other storylines here. I mean, you guys know Miami was like the talk of the town heading in, heading into the year. Everyone I picked was- them. The- I picked them to win the coastal. Yeah, Mike McDaniel was was uh, was on the Miami bandwagon. I fell for more. it. I fell and, for it like an idiot. And uh, yeah, it was either Miami or Carolina. Yep. No one was really giving Pitt that much attention here, but um, you know they started on a low note, getting thumped by Bama week one. They lose Derek King a few weeks into the season, and lately, you know they've been struggling big time. Um, well, I guess not necessarily. They, they've They've been playing a lot of close games. We'll say that. Um, yes. they, they were on a three-game winning streak. It actually seemed like they'd turned some things around uh, with Tyler Van Dyke as quarterback. And then they lose last weekend in Tallahassee. But the last six games of the Miami Hurricanes have been decided by four points or less. So it's going to be a very close game, I would anticipate here on Saturday um, in Coral Gables. I got two more uh, two more storylines here, yeah, here for you. Uh, this is not really a storyline, but a fun fact. Tay Rob, Tavion Robinson, coming in to this game, leading the nation in punt return yards. I mean, he's been he's been an asset this entire season. He's a ton of fun to watch. Love watching Sweet Feet Tay uh, back there, and just just such a smart football player, and has really come along here this year. And Billy Ray has a submission. For, oh, yeah? for storylines. He says that this game, he says this jokingly, but he says this is like the who gives a shit bowl. You got one guy, one team, <laughs> who, just lost, one team who just lost their coach. So true. Another team who's about to lose their coach. And who cares more? Director, you know, yep. which, which coaching staff is going to have their team most motivated right That's what now? I'm saying. That's because, what I'm saying. You know, in sales, we always say, hey, if there's not a compelling event for the customer to buy, create one, you know, create some urgency. Well, these coaches are going to need to do that. They're going to need to create a compelling event. And for JC Price, it's saying, hey, this is a new season. We got to go 1-0 this week. We got to go 1-0 next week. Right. Um, but Billy, thank you for the submission because you're right. Like this is, you know, if I'm a if I'm a Tennessee fan and I'm looking at this game, I'm saying this game used to mean a lot. Um, I don't care, you know. Right, so, right. Here's the thing. I do care. We beat Duke. We can play for a bowl game. 
And this is going to be a lot of fun here on Saturday. So the Miami offense, Mike, we know Red Ashley is the offensive coordinator down in Miami. They're averaging 32.4 points a game, which stacks up 39th nationally. And a lot of that has been because of Tyler Van Dyke, who uh, who is this guy who's busting out onto the scene. Is he a freshman, sophomore? He what is a fresh. He's a freshman. Oh boy, Tyler yeah. Van Dyke. Oh boy, that's right. And I think he's from the Northeast. Like, yes, Gla- I, I saw him on Packer and Durham a few weeks ago. Glastonbury, Connecticut. Um, 6'4", 224, 19 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's uh, got just over 2,000 yards on the year as well, filling in for Derek King. He started seven games so far and has hit over 200 yards passing in all seven games. So, honestly, kind of cool to see a Miami quarterback looking good um, so early in his career. And uh, I mean, he could be the future of Miami football, but who knows? Who knows? What uh, What are your thoughts on Tyler Van Dyke and the passing attack thus far? Miami probably wishes that, and I, I obviously they didn't want Derek King to get hurt. But in hindsight, they probably wish Tyler Van Dyke started the whole season. Uh, he came in, so his first start was at UVA game that Miami should have won. They were in field goal range and somehow found a way to blow it. Uh, that was his first game, and he looked a little bit rattled, a little bit nervous. Understandably, it's his first start, right, in the first half of that game. Second half, he was a lot better. And we've seen that song and dance a couple times, actually, where he's gotten off to a slow start, and then the second half, all of a sudden, it just kind of clicks for him, right? And he kind of, you know, progression slowed down a little bit, and he understands what he's seeing, and, you know, he, he looks more in control in the second half of games. He looked that way against Florida State last week. So he was struggling in the first half. Miami fell down early. I think it was 20 to seven at halftime, not necessarily, or 20 to six, one of the two. Uh, but they were down early and he came back, played really well in the second half, got them back into the game. Defense started getting some stops too, which helped. But he's been awesome. He, what he adds to the offense, uh, because we know what DR King does with his legs, but what Tyler Van Dyke does with this offense is he adds an element in the passing game of explosive plays. That's something they were missing with De'Ara King, even going back to last year. De'Ara King is just a very different type of quarterback. Very good athlete. Nobody's mistaken that. A better athlete than Van Dyke for sure. Uh, but he is not a guy who is just going to sit back there and you know throw it 40 or 50 yards down the field each time. He's just not that type of quarterback. Van Dyke can do that. And it's opened up a whole different element to the offense. And it's really, really helped Miami because they were struggling to create explosive plays. And now they seem to have done that pretty consistently, which is great. Yeah. He's definitely going to, uh, going to make me a little nervous over the next three or four yeah. years yep. uh, here, but it'll be exciting to see him come to lane stadium next year uh, as well. Um, you know, maybe with a new head ball coach, as far as the, uh, the running game goes and, uh, some some studs to look out for uh, on offense. Jalen Knighton is their leading rusher this year. Um, 118 carries, 493 yards, five touchdowns. He has only gone over the uh, 100-yard mark one time over the last five games. Uh, definitely a pass-heavy offense with Tyler Van Dyke. 
And then uh, Van Dyke's leading receiver is Charleston Rambo. We talked about all, you know, all these great college basketball names a few minutes ago. Well, Charleston Rambo, you, you are on the all-name team for football, my friend. Uh, Absolutely. 64 catches on the year, 955 yards, five touchdowns. Definitely has a feature in the NFL, both with that name and with those numbers. Um, Charleston. It's a stud. Absolute stud. Mike, any other uh, any other thoughts as we wrap up with the Miami offense? Yeah, I mean, Rambo's a problem. Uh, Jalen Knighton is a very good running back, but Miami has struggled to consistently create holes for him in the running game. So that's just something to keep an eye on, especially for Virginia Tech defense up front that has struggled at times this year to stop the run. That that could be a a decent storyline to watch, like which uh, which you know defensive offensive front you know gets established first, I guess. And you know, I, I think if Virginia Tech finds a way to slow down the run and just get after Van Dyke, that would really help them because he's been taking pretty good care of the ball. But when you watch Miami play, he definitely takes some chances, right? Like he's still a freshman. He'll take some shots down the field and at times throw it into a coverage. He probably shouldn't. So definitely something to keep an eye on. If you're able to kind of speed the game up a little bit on him, uh, he's susceptible to either making a mistake or, getting a little bit inaccurate. So just something to keep an eye on. Moving right along here to the Miami defense. Manny Diaz is your defensive coordinator. He's actually, uh, he's taken the reins on calling, uh, calling the shots for the defense here. Miami is surrendering 30 and a half points this year per game and just over 400 eight yards per game as well, uh, both good for 95th and 87th nationally. Not a very good defense. Uh, 270 of those yards come in the passing game uh, on their passing defense. Um, as far as as far as far standouts, Corey Flagg Jr. is a freshman linebacker leading their defense this year. He's good. Yeah, 48 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, and three sacks. Uh, but just kind of taking a look at their their two deep their defense aside from their defensive line, which is mostly made up of seniors, um, you know their linebacking core and their secondary is pretty young. You know, a, a pretty very, yep. team. You know, very green. Um, but my last thing was with this defense, the defensive line coach. Do you know his name is Jess Simpson? Do you think he's going <laughs> to be doing any uh, – does Jessica Simpson – okay. I guess what is Jessica Simpson famous for? Is she a, a – Good question. Uh, was she in a movie? A little bit of both. She was doing some acting. She was doing she dated, some singing. She dated Tony, Tony Romo. Dated Tony Romo. That's probably what she's most famous for. I I mean, all the girls listening to this are like, oh, my God, you're so dumb. Uh, but, like, seriously – what has she done? Singer. Singer. She's done a um, little bit of everything. Trying to see if there's any. Oh, remember she dated uh, Nick Lachey. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Nick Lachey. That's a throwback. All right. Um, Mike, thoughts on the defense here? Uh, yeah. I mean, Miami's defense is not very good. <laughs> um, 
they, they've been they've been very up and down. I think the thought when they fired Blake Baker last year was that when Manny Diaz took the defense over, this would start looking like the Manny Diaz defense that was under Mark Rick, like back in 2017 when they had the turnover chain and they were one of the most ridiculous, most one of the most ridiculously lucky teams in the country in regards to turnover luck and turnover margin and all that. Uh, I think the hope was that Manny Diaz would restore some of that uh, vibe to the defense where they were going to be more aggressive. They were going to get after the quarterback. They were going to create turnovers. Really, they've gotten after the quarterback, but they've also just given up a bunch of plays in their secondary because they are really, really young, Pat. Like, the entire defense is young, really. So, I mean, I think they'll they'll get there. I don't know if they'll get there while Manny Diaz is still the coach or not. But they got they certainly got some talent on that side of the ball, but they are not nearly as formidable as we've seen some Miami defenses be over the years. So we'll move right along to special teams here. Gotta give some shout-outs to special teams at Miami because Lou Headley is still the still, uh, still the punter. Yeah. Uh Tat- tattoo Lou, baby. <laughs> Recently celebrated his 45th birthday uh, down <laughs> in Coral Gables. Now, Lewis Headley, is, uh, he's Australian. He's a good friend of Oscar. And he's a good punter. 10 punts. No, excuse Very me. Good 10, punter. Games. 10 games, 45 punts. Um, 45 yards per punt in, 20, in, uh, in 2021. Camden Price is... No, he's he's their backup uh, backup kicker. Andres Borrejales is their starting kicker, and he has made all his extra points. He's twelve of sixteen uh, in field goals, and his long is fifty five yards. So solid kicker. And as far as the return game, Richard Smith, Xavier Restrepo. You know what? It looks okay. It looks like they have a ton of different guys who have returned kicks, but their main punt returner is Jacoby George, uh, averaging 8.6 yards per punt return, and Tyreek Stevenson, 9.6 yards per punt return. But Jacoby no, George, by the way, true freshman. So true freshman. No, no punt returns or kick returns out of Miami this year. So nothing, uh, nothing crazy to write home about there. Any thoughts on special teams, Mike? Any any notables? Uh, Texas Texas better. Borg Gallus is a good kicker though. Yeah, he's a good kicker. But as far as like return guys, stuff like that, I mean, Jacoby George can fly, so that's why he's returning kicks as a freshman. He's electric. So he's yeah, bright. Man. Yeah, man, speed, speed, speed. Uh, bright future ahead of him. But as far as like, if you're gonna compare the two return units, I mean, Tech with Tavion's in much better shape at this stage. Our, our special teams unit has been so much fun to watch this year. And uh, so we'll roll into letters from the lunch pail. Shout out to Sherry at Animated Hokie for the submission. Will the Hokies rally around Price? Do the players feel they have anything left to play for this season? Will VT get shut out? I mean, this... Like- what 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 was what was the big line that JC Price said today in the in the press conference that you pointed out earlier? So they were asking JC Price. Uh, this was in regard to the call with the recruits that Whit Babcock referenced on Tuesday, where he said, "Hey, we're going to get on the phone with all the recruits and 
somebody asked JC Price if he was on that call. And JC, it was pretty funny because JC Price looked over at Pete Morris, like, can I answer this? And Pete Morris, like, yeah, I don't care. And JC Price was like, yeah, I was on that call, you know? And um, he said, no matter what, like, whether I'm here or not, this is my school, this is where I played. And I want these kids to be at Virginia Tech next year, whether I'm here or not. So JC Price's whole thing was, well, I'm going to sell this school because this is my school. He's got pride in it. He played here. He really cares about Virginia Tech. Well, he kind of kept going on in his answer and he got to the end and he said, yeah, I was talking to Justin Hamilton about it because Justin Hamilton was like, you know, this is a big deal for, I, I guess he said to JC Price, this is a big deal for you. You know, you're, you're like a, you're a legend here. And JC Price said, I'll be here as long as they want me in any capacity. And I said last year when I was at Marshall, if Virginia Tech ever gave me an opportunity, I would crawl on my hands and knees to be in Blacksburg. And that hasn't changed. He said that today. I was ready to run through a freaking wall, Pat. I would crawl on my hands and knees to still be here. So are they going to play hard? How can you not play hard for that guy? I don't know if they'll play well, but they're going to play hard. 100%. And you know what, Pat? I, we'll get, you know, I'll, I'll hold off because we'll get in this in a few minutes. We'll get he, in this a few minutes. He is so awesome. and. We've had we've had the toughest fall here, and all of a sudden, like Mike Mike Young gets the boys rolling. We beat Duke. You know, women's basketball is going well. Soccer's going well. We got wrestling tomorrow, and now all this football news. You got a guy like JC Price who goes up there and just pours his heart and soul out in you know at the podium, and it was like must see TV. And I think. It was, it anyone, was. I think anyone who has a heartbeat that roots for Virginia Tech football needs to watch that 31 minute press conference that came yeah, out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if you haven't, first of all, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Uh, but the, the fan base needed that today. They needed that. I mean, they needed a guy who kind of understood what he was up against, but at the same time, kind of was very human in the press conference, just like how much he cares about the school and how emotional he was when he found out he was going to be interim head coach called it the greatest honor of his life to, to be the interim head coach of Virginia tech. Like this is the kind of guy we're dealing with. JC price is an unbelievable representative of the school. He brought the team today before practice. He brought the team over to the April 16th Memorial and said, I didn't want these guys to lose sight on how lucky they are to be students and football players at Virginia Tech. Like, it's unbelievable that he just decided after a really rough week, he said, let's not lose sight on what's important. I mean, to even think to do that is unreal. And it was like every answer he gave, he just kind of won up to the previous answer. It was unreal. It, it was crazy. Everybody needs to go watch it if you haven't already. It was awesome. He made some Coach Beamer references. Yeah. You know, he referenced... I mean, you can go back on his Instagram or his Twitter too, and just kind of see how how frequently he references his playing days at Virginia Tech uh, in the 1990s. So, yeah, please do yourself a favor if you have not watched that and uh, and check it out because we're all excited for this two game season here with JC Price is right. So, um, so yeah, Sherry, definitely excited to see what the players you know, how they respond here with JC price. I think he's going to really just for lack of a better term here, let it all hang out and yeah, let, let them have some fun. And like, 
that's honestly kind of the vibe I'm getting right now is that, you know, it's a new regime, whether it's temporary or not, it's obviously going to be temporary right now, but uh, guys just go out there and have fun. Right. Yeah. I, I feel sure. like that's really what it's going to be. So they're, they're playing to have fun. They're playing to win two games over their hated rivals in Virginia and Miami. And uh, it's weird because I feel like the whole fan base is really juiced up about it too. It's, it's, it's an interesting feeling that again, none of us have felt <laughs> really ever now interim coach getting, getting everyone juiced up um, score predictions. What you got for me, Mike? Wait, wait, I guess a key, to, you got a key to the game. It's 100% getting pressure on Tyler Van Dyke. Like he's still a freshman. Just get pressure on him. Seriously. Because he's, he's been very good. Like very, very good. He's got a bright future. He's far exceeded my expectations from when he took over middle of the year. I was like, man, Miami's toast, but quite the opposite. They've been quite good. Uh, get pressure on him because he's still a freshman. He'll still throw it into coverage. Uh, he'll still get a little bit inaccurate. If you get pressure on him, you will make your life easier because Miami's run game has been so up and down. And Virginia Tech's defense last couple of weeks has been a bit better at slowing down the run. Uh, so just uh, Tyler Van Dyke's going to take some shots and try to beat you over the top. If you get pressure on prevent him from doing that, you're going to win this football game. And as far as the score predictions are, well, you know, sorry, go ahead. Give, give your key to a game, Pat, before we jump into that. <laughs> Rivalry game. Um, you know, keys to the game are going to be focused on time of possession, penalties, uh, you know, which team is staying disciplined, which team isn't turning the ball over. Um, how can we continue the momentum from last week? 575 yards of total offense. This, uh, obviously this Duke defense we played last week was historically bad. This Miami defense is not very good either. Um, so we should be able to, you know, score upwards of 30 points. I mean, they're, they're surrendering over 30 a game. And I think our defense, uh, you know, Amari Barno is a guy, for example, saw David Hale put out some, uh, some solid and encouraging numbers today that yep. Amari Barno is pressuring the quarterback 10.4% of the time, which is actually one, two, three, four, fifth in the ACC among uh, defensive players in the ACC. So get pressure on Tyler Van Dyke. Don't turn it over. Don't commit penalties and win the football game. Score prediction. <laughs> Real quick on the penalty point. There was one point last week uh, during the first quarter of the Miami game. Uh, Miami was on pace for over 440 yards worth of penalties <laughs> on the first drive because they committed three personal fouls. So I don't, know, I don't know. That was funny. They committed like 160 yards worth of penalties. Speaking of penalties, uh, I want, this is a request. I want a touchdown from Jordan Williams in the first quarter. And I want JC price to run down to the end zone and get flagged for yelling. I'm back. <laughs> Cam Newton, Cam Newton style. Yeah. Get a little, get a little unsportsmanlike uh, penalty. I would be uh, so game for a JC Price on sports and like penalty for celebrating a touchdown too hard. I'd be so down for that. How can you even be mad? Just let it fly, baby. Would be uh, would be perfect. All right, let it fly. Score predictions, and then we'll wrap up with Sharky shoutouts. What you got for me, Mike? 
Oh, I'm such a jackass with this, Pat, because I've gone on to, and let me explain why. I've gone on two different podcasts this week. One is the Locks Pod, which you are going to hear at the conclusion of this, where you're going to hear a different prediction for me. Uh, I was the only one live on the Locks Podcast who picked Miami to win and cover. Uh, this was recorded, of course, after Fuente was let go. So I was thinking, all right, well, how is the team going to get ready to go? Coach is fired on a Tuesday. Weird week. Miami is playing some pretty good football coming in, despite their loss last week. I gave the same prediction on my ACC podcast, Basketball Conference, ACC Football Podcast, Selfish Plug. Gave the same prediction, Pat. I'm coming on this podcast to tell you that after that J.C. Price presser today, Hokies by a million on Saturday. I got Virginia Tech, so Miami is about a seven or an eight-point favorite, I think, at this point. I think Virginia Tech wins outright after seeing that presser. I got the Hokies 35-21. I got Tech by two touchdowns, I've decided, after watching a J.C. Price presser. I think they come out inspired. I think they slow down Tyler Van Dyke, and I think I'm drinking the freaking Kool-Aid after that J.C. Price presser. I'm not afraid to admit it. (laughs) <laughs> 35 21 solid solid mike well i'm gonna say first and foremost that the line of this game being virginia tech getting eight points is kind of interesting um just to to look at history of the past six games every single miami game has been four points or less you know settled by a field goal at the last second so to think that would be a full possession of eight points, um, you know, just based on history right there, I'm shaking my head at it. I, I mean, I have tech winning too. It's this weird (laughs) feeling. I I don't know guys. Like I'm looking at these last two games. I don't know if Brennan Armstrong is going to be healthy, but I'm looking at these last two games and saying like, huh, maybe, (laughs) maybe we just figure it out here under this new uh, this new flair with J.C. Price. But here's the thing. We still have Cornelson calling the plays. So that's yeah. where it's like, huh. I, I got a little overzealous. Can I redo my score prediction? Yeah. Beautiful. I'm going to say Virginia Tech 24, Miami 16. I think that's more realistic. Okay. I think Tech scores in the mid-20s. I think, they, I think Tech actually wins by eight. They cover by 16. How about that? There we go. Okay. He's meeting us in the middle here. I have Virginia, in the Tech, Virginia Tech 27, Miami 24. Could be some good value in money line, but I definitely think we're going to cover. Um, so if I'm saying take it to the bank, I'll say tech to cover, not money line. But if we're going JC Price fired up prediction, let's go. Let's stick with 35 21. Yeah. Know? You know, just, exactly. just pick, take your pick. Who cares? Let's just let, let's send it. Last two <laughs> weeks of the regular season, we're just going to send it, Pat. Guys, we're playing with house money. I really want to go to the Pinstripe Bowl. Billy Ray really wants to go to the Fenway Bowl. Um, so, yeah. Sharky shout-outs. Mike, what do you have for us? Uh, Shout-out to the Locks crew, of which I am one. We had a great recording the other night. You guys are going to hear that podcast here next, so keep listening, of course. Uh, Shout-out to you for having me on. Shout-out to Billy and Grayson, of course, as well. Uh, shout out to Fuente. Tough week for you, but way to get that bag. Eight, 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 8.75 million lump sum. Look, if you're having a bad week, at least get your money. 
So shout out to Fuente. And then shout out to JC Price, man. Shout out to Trey Turner, obviously driving down to the game to play. Like, you know, nothing left to play for. He could have easily just said, you know what? I'm just going to get healthy, get ready for the senior bowl and the draft. But he said, you know what? No, I'm going to keep playing, keep grinding. Let's try to make a bowl game. I'm going to drive to freaking Coral Gables from Blacksburg just so I can be there with my team. Shout out Trey Turner. JC Price Presser. I, I can't emphasize this enough. Unreal. Unbelievable. That that was electric. Electric. <laughs> I'm excited. I will shout out the men's basketball team. Currently leading by 24 points. Had the Hokies minus 20. Um, really hope Looking they good. Looking it's good. It's getting a little squirrely early on. Shout out to you, Mike, for coming on. And uh Shout out to the folks making the trip down to Miami this weekend. I know a Miami trip in November is automatic for some of you. Like, yeah, a lot of times I'll go to tech games and no, I want to rephrase this. Um, Tech games, like if the season's going well, it's a lot easier to go to the games, but the Miami game, it's like, Hey, I'm going to Miami in November. Like I'm winning this weekend. And I love that. I love that attitude. Uh, so you guys have fun down in Miami. If there's any, if there's any tailgates going on, let, uh, let the Twitter account know. I know a couple of folks have reached out to our Twitter account asking about any tailgating or anything. Uh, we're not going, so we're not sure, but if you guys hear of anything or have anything going on, let us know. We'd love to spread the word. And, uh, that's about it. Shout out to all the Hokies uh, athletics doing well here in this crossover season. And uh, with that, we'll toss it over to the locks of Saturday. What's up, sons and daughters? It's Sam Jesse back with the crew from the locks of Saturday on a very busy and interesting Tuesday evening. I got Brett Robert and the always present Mike McDaniel, who has been talking nonstop. Mike, we'll start with you. How's your day been, buddy? I didn't get any actual work done today for the job that employs me like and pays me real like living money. So I better get back to work tomorrow or, or maybe even tonight after this. We'll see. Priorities are important. Priorities are important. Well, we were talking about if we had any bad beats over last weekend. Of course, is what we talk about first. First one that came to mind, Auburn minus five and a half Mississippi State. Mike, I know you had that too. Yeah, that I died with that one. Yeah. I had Auburn. I was on Washington State plus 13 and a half. That didn't work out, obviously. And then I was on Carolina plus six and a half. So yeah, the Auburn one felt like a bad beat just because I thought the game was over in the second quarter. And it just simply wasn't. Well, we are in week 12. And after 12 weeks, Robert and Brett, you guys have the same record on the Locks of Saturday podcast. Both of you are 28 and 22 against the spread coming off three and two weeks. That has you guys tied for second place behind yours truly, who had a bad week, two and three on the week, still sitting at 29 and 21. Uh, in fourth place, Mike, you're there at 24 and 26 after a three and two weekend. Chris, 
as at 23 and 27 after the best weekend out of anybody, he went four and one. And then Ed still at the bottom at 21 and 29, but he did go three and two on the weekend. As always, thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for the interaction on Twitter. Hit up our Twitter at Locks of Saturday. Hit up at Sons of Sat VT, as well as the Sons of Sat National. We have a whole lot of stuff going on, and this will be a really good week to head over to the website, sonsofsaturday.com, our very own Chris Himes with a phenomenal article on the Virginia Tech coaching vacancy that has just popped up. And we'll get to the Hokies. We'll get to the Hokies. But first, we're going to start it in Big Ten country with a game with massive playoff implication. Michigan State plus 19 at Ohio State. This game is on ABC at noon, and the over-under is 66 and a half. Before I go with my pick, Brett, Robert, talk to me about this game. We just saw the playoff rankings come out. How much pressure do you think there is on either of these teams? Is this kind of a win and you're in, like playoff in November type game? As far as when in your end goes, um, for Michigan State, absolutely. Um, I think Ohio State, they still have that tough game with Michigan left, so that that's gonna be that's gonna be another test for them. But I mean, this is really do or die. I mean, whichever team loses this game is certainly certainly out of the playoff hunt. Um yeah, and I I mean I think well, we'll get to my pick, but I I, I feel pretty confident in one side. Yeah, I agree with Robert. I think uh, I don't. I, it feels the Big Ten is such a mess. But if it's a win and you're in kind of thing, I don't know. It's tough to say. I, I mean, it's getting pretty late in the season, so I mean, I think either of these teams with two losses. I don't think a Big Ten team with two losses is getting in. So I think this is going to be the team with one loss that's getting in. So whoever it is, but we'll talk yep. about that in a minute. Well, I I think pretty clearly in this game, and you're seeing by the spread at 19. I mean, that's astronomical, but we talked about it last week with Ohio State. They get really big spreads. That's that's the history of Ohio State. And they do decently well against those big spreads. And I think they're going to do decently well again this weekend. And it's all because I just don't think Michigan State can stack up to the passing game of Ohio State. Michigan State, in terms of yardage, which is the worst thing ever, but just because they're dead last, I have to say it, they're dead last in pass yards per game allowed, number 130, whereas Ohio State's the number six passing offense. And that's in terms of total yards. Interesting enough, Michigan State is number 55 in EPA per pass, number 55. So that's a huge, huge discrepancy in those two metrics, kind of shows you how yardage can be misleading, but still Ohio State's passing offense is just going to dominate this game. And then if you look at what Michigan State wants to do on offense, they want to run the ball with Kenneth Walker, Heisman candidate. This is his game. I don't think it's going to go well for him. Ohio State's defense hasn't been great, but they are the number three EPA per rush defense in the country. I think Buckeyes win it big. I think if you're feeling it, and you have a big card and you want to get some better odds on this one, I think you can push this one to 20 or 20 and a half to get you some plus odds. So we're feeling real yeah. confident, huh? I, I'm, I'm pretty close to locking it in. I think Ohio State will win comfortably. That's, that's a lock. But 19 is such a bad line because it's not a football number. 17 is a football number. I could see Ohio State winning by 17. Like, uh, But 
I'm going to go with, they're going to cover the 19, but it's a, it's not a lock. It's pretty close to one though. But you're telling people to tease the line. I would, I would tease it. (laughs) I would tease it. Yeah. If you have a big card, I would tease it, but I'm not going to tell you it's free money. It's close. It's close to a lock, but also tease it up. It's not going to be, it's not going to be an 18 point game. That's not a football number. Get it to a football number. Is that better? Sam, for what Sam, for what it's worth, I will say the, the teasing it up. I am into that. I, I, I like that play Yeah, a lot. I like it a lot. So I don't want to just totally dump on your entire point there. Cause I agree with you. No, I'm saying it's much more likely that this game ends 42, 21. You tease that to 20 and a half. You're good. The difference in that is if Michigan state makes a field goal here or there, now it's 42-24. You're looking at an 18-point game. Right. Yeah, I did my math right. Nice. All okay. right. So that's that's what I'm saying. Sam's it's the not, math guy. It's it's the difference <laughs> is that small, but if you know, Ohio State probably gonna win this one by three, four touchdowns. Yeah, and I, I I'll echo a lot of what Sam said too. And as you guys know, I I've been pretty critical of Ohio State this year. Um, probably more critical than anybody else on this podcast. Uh, but I mean, after last week, I, I'm ready to admit that I was wrong. And to be honest with you, there's not a lot of people on podcasts, not saying this podcast, but on just podcasts in general that are willing to admit that they're wrong and completely changed course. I'm changing course in Ohio State. I've been saying all year that they're not a playoff team, but I'm ready to say that they're the second best team in the country. I think that they are the best option to keep Georgia from completing this reign of terror on college football in 2021. Um, I think I've especially criticized the front seven and the rush defense. Sam has touched on this a little bit as well. Um, you know, after they had a pretty horrible defensive performance against Oregon in the second game of the year, Ryan Day, he made the change. Um, he changed defensive play callers. And so since giving up 472 rushing yards against Minnesota and Oregon, in the first two games of the year, it's a 236-yard average. Ohio State has only given up 605 in their last eight games. So that's an average of just under 76 a game. 76 would be good enough for second nationally. Um, better than Georgia, actually. And even, even with those first two games, they're 13th. And like Sam, they're, they're third in EPA per rush. Uh, they're also graded out as the 25th rush defense by Pro Football Focus. Uh, no matter how you look at it, Ohio State's rush defense is really, really good. And I don't know what uh, different play calling, how it's possible. It could have made that much of a difference, but it really did. And, you know, you have Kenneth Walker out here, and he is Michigan State's entire offense. Peyton Thorne is more of a game manager, and this is going to be Kenneth Walker's toughest matchup of the year. You add on that bad pass defense and C.J. Stroud seeming to find his stride last week. Uh, this just seems like a really bad matchup for Michigan State. And that kind of leads me into my next point, where if you're also feeling pretty frisky about this Ohio State line and you want you think Ohio State will cover here, it's a pretty huge line. That would be a pretty convincing victory. CJ Stroud's Heisman odds on DraftKings are plus 220 right now. Now, that's not like an incredibly great value, Um, But basically, the Heisman race at this point is pretty much a three-horse race where you have Bryce Young, you have Stroud, and you have Kenneth Walker. Um, Two of those dudes are playing against each other on Saturday. If there's ever an opportunity for one guy 
because there hasn't really been that one guy. There hasn't been that Joe Burrow or that Lamar Jackson just putting up video game numbers. There hasn't been that one guy. Um, if Stroud can put up the numbers that I think he will, and Ohio State can win by as many points as they as I think they will against a top 10 in-conference opponent, C.J. Stroud can very well take this Heisman race by the reins and and carry this performance all the way to the trophy. Um, and on the other hand, if you think I'm crazy and you're like, hey, Michigan State is going to go on the road, they're going to win this game. And in addition to throwing something at that plus 650 money line, Kenneth Walker's Heisman odds are plus 280. Like I said, I really think the Heisman Trophy is going to be decided in this game. Um, whether you're on the Ohio State or Michigan State end, uh, be sure to throw something at their Heisman contender as well. Yeah, I'm on Ohio State here. I'm kind of with Sam. Last week, I tried to bet Purdue um, and didn't work out, obviously. The game was closer than it actually was. Ohio State manhandled it the whole game. And to be honest, I've said it all year. I don't – and well, not all year, but pretty much as the hype has been gained between Michigan and Michigan State, I don't think either of these teams are actually that great. I think they're good. They're solid Big Ten teams. But the fact is they backloaded their schedules. The back end of their schedules are really difficult, but their front, the front part of their schedules were not that great. And they struggled against some bad teams like Michigan State against Indiana. And then obviously Michigan's offense has been suspect, especially quarterback play that I was completely wrong about. But um, I, and then that game against each other, they made each other look better than they actually were. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit. And I think we're definitely going to see it this coming weekend. I think Ohio State's offense is by far the best offense that Michigan State has faced all year. I mean, between Trevon Henderson and C.J. Stroud, I mean, I think they're going to just dog them. I think they're going to take it to the house um, over and over and over again. Uh, I, Kenneth Walker, his, I think his Heisman race stops here. Um, I'm on Ohio State big time here. Not going to lock it in because that spread is huge. I like the tease play, Sam. I really do, but uh, can't lock it in like you either. So, um, I'm on, but I'm on Ohio State here. I'm on Ohio State too. Uh, Michigan State's back end, like their secondary, is brutal, uh, and this is an Ohio State offense that, through the air, is really starting to hit their stride. CJ Stroud was unbelievable against Purdue last week, and I think this is a really favorable matchup for Ohio State. The only, the only thing I can think of that could give Michigan State an opportunity to cover this spread here is you're coming off of a huge blowout win against Purdue. You have your rivalry game in a week against Michigan. And this is kind of sandwiched in between this weird Michigan State game, right? And that's the only thing I can think of to like rationalize why you would take Michigan State here. Because offensively, Peyton Thorne is essentially going to have to play the game of the year because I don't think Kenneth Walker is going to be able to get going on the other side of the, on the other side of the fence defensively, Michigan state is going to have to have a competent pass rush for four quarters. I think they can get after Stroud a little bit, but can they do it consistently for four quarters is the question. I think the answer is no. And I don't think Michigan state's back end is going to, is going to be able to hold up. So I'm on Ohio State here. They're really starting to hit their stride offensively. They've been really good. It's really just it's real difficult to pick against them right now. Yeah, and last week we I you know I said the stat Ohio State before the Purdue game they were 16 and 12 against the spread since 2017 when they were favored by 20 or more. 
Now they are 17 and 12 against the spread. This one night, not quite at 20, but still really big spreads. Ohio State, they get a lot of them and they, you know, they cover more of them. You're going to be plus units if you bet Ohio State in these big spreads. Let's move on to another one that'll be really important for the playoff race and very important for, uh, well, for my Utah Utes, who I have winning the Pac-12 South and the Oregon Ducks, who Irby has making the playoffs. Woo! I just, this is going to be a phenomenal game. I'm a little bit surprised at the line. As we just saw, Oregon is like number three in the country, and they are three-point underdogs going into Salt Lake City. This game will be at 7.30 p.m. on ABC. The over-under is 59 and a half. Look, I've been on Utah all year. The Charlie Brewer thing didn't work out, but it talks about Kyle Whittingham and how great this coaching staff is at Utah that they can have their starting quarterback be a complete dud, quit the team. And here they are nationally ranked and they're at plus 115 to win the Pac-12 right now. Oregon is at minus 110. So this is a big game. Uh, These teams, not in the same division, more than likely going to meet each other in the Pac-12 title game, which is that in Las Vegas or Santa Clara? Uh, Vegas, I believe. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. That Santa Clara stadium is incredibly overrated. And I really like Oregon. I like Oregon a lot. I've been rooting for Oregon all year. But I, I think there's a reason they're underdogs in this game. They haven't looked dominant in situations where I think they needed to look dominant. They looked pretty good against Washington State last week, but not great. Uh, and if you look at the Utah offense, I've been so impressed with how statistically dominant they have been with quite frankly, less talent and a backup quarterback. I'm just, uh, these five stats for you. They're number 13 in EPA per pass, number two in EPA per rush, number two in echo rate. And I think I've mentioned it earlier, but echo rate is basically just how many quality uh, possessions the offense has, right? So number two in quality possessions, They're number one in early down EPA. So how are they scoring on first and second down? And if they don't score on first and second down, they're number five in the country in third and fourth down success rate. That is an offense that is humming. You don't see those kind of numbers from power five offenses usually. Usually those are numbers that you see with Maction games on Tuesday and Wednesday nights and you know in the Sun Belt or something. You don't see that in the Pac-12. I think Cameron Rising is just, quite frankly, going to be the best quarterback on the field. A.J. Brown, Boston College transfer, I don't think uh, has what it takes with his arm. He's a one-dimensional quarterback, and that has hurt Oregon all year. They didn't survive the Stanford game because of it. I don't think they survived this game either. Uh, Interesting tidbit about this game. Both teams are 4-6 and against the spread this season. Neither have been very good, but I'm taking the home team in this one. Utah is 6-0 and in their last six games at home. I'm going with the Utes. They're going to collect that Pac-12 South title. I think this is going to set up a really interesting rematch, and I think this is going to open the door for Cincinnati Bearcats plus 2,700 to make the title game. How about I could get Cincinnati plus 2,700 and Oregon plus 925? Well, then you should be rooting for Michigan State. That's true. I definitely should be. (laughs) Man, we're going full circle here. Yeah, well, or I could just root for Georgia to beat Alabama, but, you know, anyway, 
that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, I am going to go ahead and disagree with Sam, mainly because I am financially vested in the Oregon Ducks. At least you're uh, honest. I mean, come on. But I, I also have some concerns about Utah's defense. Um, last week, they gave up 29 points to Arizona, who we have we have all agreed may very well be the worst team in playing Power 5 football, like worse than Kansas, worse than Duke. Like imagine giving up 29 points to Duke. Um, so I, while I understand the concerns about around Anthony Brown, um, he's just been kind of average at best. He, he seems to run the system. Well, like he's very much so a system quarterback and Joe Moorhead has a really solid system that has him, um, in the running for some head coaching vacancies. And I don't necessarily think Utah has the capability on defense to challenge that system. Um, I, I don't see Brown getting thrown off too much. So I I think especially if you add on the fact that Oregon is a three-point underdog, I just think that the value lies more on Oregon. I'm not overly confident in it. I could very well see Oregon losing on the road um, by a touchdown or more. But I, I think that they are the safe play considering they are number three and they are an underdog. Oregon is plus 135 money line if you're interested in that. So that could be a good bet as well. Um, they've they've looked better at points in this year, but again, not as dominant as we're used to seeing Oregon out in the Pac-12. Yeah, and I don't love what Oregon's defense is doing either. So real quick, I, I do just want to throw out that the over-under is 59. And I think that that's a pretty... Uh, that's not a bad number. I don't really trust either of these defenses, so... Maybe hit the over as well. Yeah, I'm liking that money line plus plus odds on the money line for the fourth team in the country. I mean, come on, I Utah. Yeah, I playing at home. I could maybe see it. People don't trust Oregon still even after that Stanford game. But I think they're rolling good enough to beat Utah. I mean, I think Anthony Brown, we've talked about all year, he's been average, but I think he can get the job done. I mean, pretty pretty simple. Oregon loses, they're out. So I think they're going to have to play with their backs against the wall the rest of the year. And I think they do it here at Utah, and I still think they get it done. I'm on Utah, and I would be feeling a lot better about this if they didn't screw around for four quarters against a really terrible Arizona team last Saturday. But I'm on Utah, too. They've been playing really good football. They've you know won three out of their last four, and they just as easily could have won that game on the road at Oregon State. Uh, this is a really hot team right now. You know, they've lost a couple of really close games this year, uh, but this is an offense that has looked just different with Cam Rising at quarterback. Just absolutely different. Uh, Charlie Brewer leaves. First of all, he shows up to Utah, and we all think that that's going to be the reason why Utah is a dark horse to win the Pac-12. And then he exits stage right, and here comes Cameron Rising. And he's been great. Uh, he's completing almost 64% of his passes, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's been really good, real consistent in the passing game. We know Utah can run it. They got a whole stable of backs. Uh, and this is a defense that keeps getting better. I don't trust Oregon's offense with Anthony Brown at quarterback. I haven't all year. I think this is a tough game. Whittingham's going to have him ready. He's going to have some for Anthony Brown. This is the type of game Utah wins. Like, there's a reason they're favored. Like, we, we're good for one of these a year with Whittingham, aren't we? Like, we're good for at least one of these a year where 
there's a really highly ranked team either coming to town or you're going on the road. And this is a little bit different because Utah is favored, but a lot of times Utah doesn't have a chance. You're like, this is a top five team in the country. Like they should, they should be beating Utah and Utah always gets them. I feel like we always see this movie. So I'm just going to go with that and go with Kyle Whittingham, go with Utah. I'd be feeling better about if it wasn't for last week, by the way. I mean, are, are you, are you surprised that Utah's favorite in this game, even though they're at home? I am. I am a little bit. Uh, I, I thought the line would be inside five points. I didn't think it would be Utah favored by three though. I thought it would maybe be three points the other way. Yeah. I am a little bit, a little bit surprised. It'll be an interesting matchup for sure. And one that a lot of people around the country are going to be watching. And another team we just talked about, we hinted at the Cincinnati Bearcats. They're a team. They keep winning. They won by 17, but it just, it never seems to be enough with Cincinnati. They have a tough test coming in. Sonny Dykes and the Southern Methodist University Mustangs. Pony Power is coming in Cincinnati. This game will be at 3.30 on ESPN. The over-under is set at a whopping 65 and a half. Cincinnati needs style points. I think this is a game that they have the opportunity to get those style points. But before that, let's look at some against the spread numbers. They don't look good for either team. Cincinnati is one and four against the spread in their last five. Talked about them not really playing up to expectation. And Cincinnati is 0-5 against the spread in their last five week 12 games. Just a little bit quick tidbit for Cincinnati. Uh, on the other side, SMU, they will be traveling to Cincinnati, a team from Texas traveling to a very cold city. It'll be very cold, very cloudy, and they are one and six against the spread in their last seven road games. So these are two teams that I think have been underperforming the last few weeks. So it'll be interesting to see kind of which team steps up. And I think this is a battle of, you know, a defensive minded coach in Luke Fickle versus an offensive minded coach in Sonny Dykes. And I think it's a really interesting matchup from an X's and O's standpoint. And it'll play out when SMU is on offense. They have the number 11 EPA per pass offense versus Cincinnati's number 14 EPA per pass defense. So that's a big time matchup. Uh, the one thing that I like about this game, um, again, well, there's two things I really like about this game. One I alluded to, but then there's this one. Cincinnati is number six in the country in net points per drive. So that means per drive offense and defense, they're netting the sixth most amount of points of anyone in the country. I think that's going to play really, really well when they play a team like SMU, who's going to try to maximize the amount of drives per game. They're going to play fast. There's going to be a lot of three and outs for SMU, a lot of big hitters. I think a game where there's just more possessions, Cincinnati's physicality will wear down SMU. And I think there's a chance that Cincinnati can pull away from SMU in the second half with that run game and with a pass rush that's going to be the best that SMU has seen by a mile this year. The other thing is I talked about the weather. It's going to be cold and cloudy. Doesn't bode well for a team from Central Texas. SMU is 4-11-1 against the spread in their last 16 November games. Not a cold weather team. Give me the Bearcats. This line has moved from 12 to 10.5. I love it at 10.5. Bearcats in this one, and I think they get some style points. I'm with you on that one, Sam. I think that the difference for me is Fickle. Uh, with Luke Fickle, he seems clearly he hasn't 
quite coached his team to their max capacity in some of their more sleepy games recently, right? But Fickle always seems to get his team ready for the big game. Um, I mean, clearly their best performance of the year was against Notre Dame. Um, but anytime they seem to play, you know, there's always maybe one other team in, in the Atlantic that, I'm sorry, in the American uh, that is, you know, a viable opponent. And Your statement still always, stands, though, by the way, with, with the Atlantic right <laughs> over there like your statement still yeah, stands that, that one team in the atlantic has uh kind of faded to oblivion but yes <laughs> um anyway he he manages to coach the big game well starting against notre dame you always see it kind of in their bowl game like they always play well in a bowl game and um i just think that this is a game where they're going to see the importance and they're you know they can actually feel threatened because you're not playing two and seven south florida where it's like oh you know, we can just turn it on at the end and win. Um, you know, this is an actual challenge. Now, granted, I don't think that challenge is quite as as heavy as some might have thought earlier in the season. I mean, SMU started what seven and zero, but then you know, back to back losses to Houston and Memphis. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think SMU is really there enough to challenge Cincinnati, especially if Cincinnati plays with the motivation that I believe they will. Um, Tanner Mordecai has been awesome this year for SMU, but he also has had his fair share of interceptions. He's got 10, um, and Cincinnati can force turnovers, and Sam alluded to that cold weather as well. Uh, I think that I think that Cincinnati wins this one going away. I think it's an ugly game by halftime. Uh, this is my lock of the week. As bad as Cincinnati has looked in the last few weeks, and it's almost like they're still fifth as the rankings came out tonight. Right before we recorded this, it's like I'm really shocked the playoff committee's kept them at fifth just because I thought at the the hint of doubt at Cincinnati, they would just be like, yeah, you're done, you're out. But they've kept them in there at fifth, and I think that's for a reason. I think they've been pretty dominant all year except the last two weeks, even against good teams. Like They dominate the game who is a playoff potential team now. I mean, they they dominated them. Obviously, Indiana would turn out really bad, but they, even though after a shaky first half, they dominated them in the second half. I and I don't think I this SMU team is really any different than them. And I think they're finally going to get back on their feet this week. Fickle is one of the best coaches in America, and that's crazy to say that he's in a G five team. That you know, whoever wherever he may end up in the, you know the future, he may say Cincinnati just to keep winning there. I don't know, but again, here I'm on the same thing as Robert. Here is that. Tanner Mordecai is like really good and really bad at the same time. And Cincinnati is probably the best defense he's going to face all year. So I am on Cincinnati. I mean, they have, I've said it, they have two guys that probably potential first round picks and sauce Gardner at being one of them. And then they have multiple guys that are probably going to be day two, day three round picks. So I mean, Cincinnati has got a great defense, cold weather, skyline, chili. Give me Cincinnati. It's my lock of the week. Real quick, what are y'all's thoughts on Skyline Chili, if you've had terrible, it? Terrible. It's, I've had it. but Garbage, it's, it's, but it's a rite of passage in Ohio. Yeah. It's a rite of passage. Not all rites of passages are you know pleasant things. I'll make this quick. Cincinnati, it's a lock for all the reasons you guys said. This is an easy pick for me. I just, I think Mordecai is going to throw it to Cincinnati a few times. Like that's That's the bottom line. And I also think Cincinnati's offense is going to give SMU some issues. And SMU's defense has been fine, but I think Cincinnati's offense is going to figure it out. Ritter played a bit better last week. Uh, I think they're starting to figure it out. Sam, I did see you put up a uh, 
I think it was EPA per pass for Ritter, if I'm not mistaken, on on Twitter last day or two. I, yep. so, yeah, and he certainly needs to play better. Totally agree with you. I thought he was a little bit better last week. Um, just well, he's I, playing South Florida. But you're playing South Florida, right? So yeah. now do it against a much better defense in SMU. So we'll see. Yeah, he needs to play better. Uh, I think that's been kind of their downfall over the past about month is they just haven't had consistent offensive play. And it's hard It's hard to dominate teams when you're not threatening to score every time. I mean, we see it every week with Virginia Tech. Defense can play as good as they want, but you're not going to blow teams out in modern college football unless you're scoring 45, 50 points. And they haven't been able to do that. They were able to get into the 40s last week against South Florida. So we'll see what they do. In this one, the college football world will be watching. At the same time, the college football world will not be watching a game against Alabama Birmingham, who is four and a half point dogs headed to the Alamo Dome to face the undefeated Texas San Antonio Roadrunners. This game is also at 330. The over-under is 54. I, I, The whole country is rooting for UTSA right now, right? If they go undefeated, they'll make it to a New Year's Six Bowl. And I, I just want it so bad. The, everything from the uniforms are cool. They play in the Alamo Dome, the freaking Alamo Dome, one of the greatest stadiums in college football. The Roadrunners. Uh, they're a pretty new program. I actually believe former Miami legend coach Larry Coker was the first coach at UTSA. Um, it's just a great, it's a great story. I mean, this program's like two decades old, and here they are in like the top 15 or something. Um, and this is a game against, quite frankly, we talked about the matchup with passing between the SMU offense and the Cincinnati defense. How about the matchup rushing for this game? Alabama-Birmingham, the Blazers are number one in EPA per rush on offense. They will go up against the number 12 EPA per rush defense in this matchup. If you haven't, don't know a lot about UAB this season, usually a good program. They're good this year. Seven and three straight up this year. They're also seven and three against the spread. And, and I talked about how good these teams were rushing. Um, they're good on EPA margin as well. So basically the difference between, you know, offensive EPA and defensive EPA, uh, Texas, San Antonio, number 12 in EPA margin, UAB number four in EPA margin. These two teams have been dominant. They've been really good this year. They've done it with hard physical football. I love UTSA in this game, lock it in, take it to the bank in the Alamo dome. They had a stinker last week in Southern miss. And this is how ridiculous the first time that I've bet on UTSA this year was last week. And they didn't cover a massive spread against Southern Miss. They almost lost the game at some points. They're 10 and 2 against the spread in their last 12. They're 9 and 3 against the spread in their last 12 November games. And the one time that I bet on them, they have a stinker. I don't think they have a stinker again. I love UTSA. I love the Road Runners. Uh, I, I love everything about it. It's the perfect football game. It doesn't get better. I have You're two sick. Words. You're sick for locking this up. Go ahead, Irby. <laughs> that is a sicko pick for sure. I have two words. No, I'm I'm sorry. Before you say your two words, if Dang you it. want a sicko pick, I can get you a sicko pick. It's not going to be that game. Okay, we'll get fair to your sicko pick. Two words. My two words about this game. Me me. Go Roadrunners, baby. I mean, that's all you need. That's all you need. 
Herbie, you stole my thunder. I was about to play the. <laughs> but anyway, I'm also on UTSA here. Shocking stat I didn't really know until I delved, delved into this game a little bit is UTSA's defense, sixth in the country in rushing yards allowed. So, I mean, pretty solid defense for, I guess, a team that runs the ball. UAB, middle of the pack in the country in rushing defense for a team that's, you know, runs the heck out of the ball, we'll say. Um, so, I'm on UTSA here. Didn't bet them last week. I bet them more. Was, was, I bet them like two weeks in a row, and they covered both weeks. I can't remember which one, I can't remember what it was now. But I did not bet them last week because that spread was so large. And I was like, oof. You know, and they did look pretty bad. So, but eight and two against the spread, seven and three against the spread. You can't ask for a better G5 sicko matchup. Um, but I'm sure there are some other sicko matchups Sam could find that are better than this. Oh, I but, can find you. The issue with this game is it starts too early in the day. Yeah, yeah. this is a 3.30 game. Where's, it's a number 15 team. That, what, are they, what did they get ranked? Like number 15 in the country? Well, that's in the AP. See, what are in the, the playoff, playoff they're still like 22, I think. Yeah. It doesn't well, matter. Anyway. Yeah, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that sicko game at like midnight with somebody that Sam has. We but, got one. Yeah, we got one for you. <laughs> we got one for you. Uh, I... I don't know if you had any, anything else to add there, Brett. No, but I'm zero. okay. All right, cool. Uh, I'm on UTSA as well. Since your McCormick is going to give the UAB defense a lot of problems, a lot of problems. And Frank Harris has been pretty good too. So that's just another element to it. He's uh, he's been a guy who has just improved every year of his career as a passer. Uh, I had a UTSA beat writer on the Sons of Saturday National College Football Podcast, and that's why I know that. I, I haven't been paying attention to UTSA for four years. I'm not, I love college football, but I'm not that far down the rabbit hole. So anyway, UTSA. I mean, UTSA, there's no reason that they can't become a really good football program. I mean, you can't ask to be in a better recruiting scenario. You get to play in the freaking Alamo dome, which is, I guess the Hinkle field house of college football, you could say. And it's a massive school, 35,000 students at UTSA uh, enrollment. So, yeah, I Their love Their mascot it. was in Space Jam. I mean, that's, what else ask, can you ask for? Alabama's mascot won in Space Jam. Wasn't in either Space Jam. Right. And the Roadrunner was in both. I mean, I love it. I love everything about it. We're talking about sicko game, Brett. The sicko game of the week is Colorado State at Hawaii, kicking off at 11 p.m. Eastern time. Oh yeah, Sam. Uh, Hawaii. Hawaii needs to win out to. Um, no, Hawaii needs to go two and one in their last three. They get to play 13 games. Um, yeah, so Hawaii needs to win some games here to make a bowl. Um, Hawaii gets to play more games than other teams for financial reasons. Um, so yeah, Hawaii needs to win this game. Steve Adazio in Hawaii. Do you think Steve Adazio has ever been to Hawaii other than for this game to play Hawaii? I don't think he knows where Hawaii is. Our resident Steve Adazio fan, Billy Ray, will uh, <laughs> will let us know about that one. But that's our sicko game of the week. I don't even know what the spread is yet. Just guys being dudes. Well, one of the games that was actually, which might be the sicko game of the week, is a game that guys we have to talk about. Virginia Tech is currently plus seven 
It has moved from six and a half. It's at eight in some places. By kickoff, this game might be eight. It might be eight and a half because Justin Fuente is no longer the coach of the Virginia Tech Hokies. The Hokies are seven-point dogs on DraftKings Sportsbook as of Tuesday night, traveling to Miami. The game will be on ACC Network at 7.30. Over-under is set at 55.5. I'm sure we'll have lots of discussion about this one, and we saved a good chunk of time for it, which is great. I'll just run through some against the spread numbers, and then I'll actually just kind of kick it over to Irby, um, and I'll I'll throw my pick in at the end. And we can just kind of discuss open-ended for this one because, well, you know, because um, talking actual X's and O's for this game might be pretty irrelevant. So two teams that, quite frankly, suck against the spread, and they've sucked against the spread for a few years now. Virginia Tech, two and six against the spread in their last eight. Three and seven against the spread in their last 10 against the Miami Hurricanes. Not great. Two and seven against the spread in their last nine road games. This is a program that at the beginning of the Justin Fuente era built a reputation for being a very good road team. Not so much lately. However, Virginia Tech is four and one against the spread in their last five against ACC coastal opponents. That includes uh, last year's Virginia game, this year's North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Duke, and Pittsburgh games. Hokies are also four and one straight up in those five games. On the flip side, the Miami Hurricanes are four and eight against the spread in their last 12. They are two and six against the spread in their last eight home games. Not much of a home field advantage there at Hard Rock Stadium. And we talk about this every year with Miami, how they start off really well. They kind of die towards the end of the season, whether it gets colder, injuries pile up, things like that. Miami is nine and 14 against the spread in games played in November and December since 2017. So historically a team that struggles in the month of November and late in season in December. I, if I'm looking at these teams solely on paper, taking away all the off-field stuff. Again, Miami just fired their AD. I don't think that means anything, but they fired their AD this week. Um, Solely on paper, seven's too many points. For how Virginia Tech has played uh, teams comparable to Miami this year, uh, seven, I I think, is just too many points. So if if we're looking against the spread, I would take the Hokies plus seven. Yeah, I'm also on Tech plus seven here. And honestly... And this may sound crazy, but I think Virginia Tech making the decision to part ways with Justin Puente earlier today honestly has made me more confident in the Hokies covering here. And I think that that's because of who they brought in to be the interim. J.C. Price, look, I know he was sitting in his office this morning. He got called into Witt's office. The last thing he expected to hear was, will you be the head coach for the last two games? But that's what's going to happen. And I think it makes total sense. As Whit Babcock explained in the press conference, he doesn't really have to, to shake up the rest of the staff for the rest of the year. Like Justin Hamilton's still the defensive coordinator. Brad Cornelson's still the offensive coordinator. You know, at least for the rest of the year, like everyone kind of gets to still do their job. You just have a different head man at the front. And J.C. Price... He played here. He played a lot of games against Miami. Um, it's one of Tech's biggest rivals. I know he hates Miami. He wants to win this game. Um, I think the motivation is just there for Tech, where 
they have an opportunity to end the season on a high note, even though, you know, maybe there are mixed feelings about the head coach being fired, et cetera. But I mean, Trey Turner is driving 14 hours to play in this football game. You don't, you can't drive 14 hours to play a football game and lose. Like, I mean, that's, that would just be sad. I, I got a podcast for him to listen to if he needs to pass some time. Yeah, he might need a few podcasts. Um, but more schematically, I just think that Miami, I don't really think that they uh, bring anything to the table that should worry Virginia Tech, especially from their offense. Um, you know, Tech's maybe downfall defensively has been against the rush this year. Uh, in Miami, since Cameron Harris went down um, with season-ending injury, they can't run the ball at all. Um, Jalen Knighton just hasn't been able to get really much of anything going. Uh, Van Dyke's not really a dual-threat quarterback. Um, and so Tech's secondary has been, for the most part, pretty solid. Um, so I, I think Miami's pretty one-dimensional in that regard. And I just see Tech playing with a little bit of fire, Um I think they'll run the ball a lot. They'll try, whether it's Burmeister or someone else out there, uh, Taj Bullock, who knows, somebody out there, you know, you're going to run the ball a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of options. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Tech's still got an outside chance at the Coastal, which is funny to think about. And they just, it just seems like they have a lot to play for somehow, even though their coach just got fired today. I don't know. I don't know why I'm on this, but I am. Holy crap. I mean, we don't need to beat this on the head too much. I mean, Mike probably doesn't even want to talk about this game, honestly, just because he's taking talking his jaw off all day about what the I have, I have uh, literally no interest in talking about this, but I will. <laughs> uh, I really don't have that much interest either, just because it's like, hey, what do you say? I mean, what do you say? Honestly, uh, what's to expect? Nothing, I guess, at this point. But Sam nailed, I think, nailed to just saying, take it. All the extracurriculars out, put it on paper. Still think it's too many points. Miami, honestly, looked good. They were my lock of the week on my car last week against Florida State because they were trending upward, and they just absolutely – I don't know what happened. They just looked terrible, and then they absolutely blew the cover at the end. They had them, and then blew them. they let Florida State drive the ball like 80 yards. I don't want to talk about that game either, by the way. Yeah. Guys, we were talking about bad beats earlier. Sorry, forgot one. Yeah, that was brutal. But, uh, yeah, I <laughs> – I think Tech's got the players to keep up with this Miami team, honestly. Um, yeah, I think seven's too many points. I think it's going to be an ugly, ugly game. I say I take the under. That would be my lock coming from this game is taking the under. But I'm picking Virginia Tech plus seven. Uh, bet the under. Yeah, I'm with you. Bet the under. Uh, I'm on Miami. I mean, Virginia Tech doesn't have a coach. I I don't know. It's fun like, to bet a team without a coach. Come on. I, I Yeah, I know. Dead cat bounce or whatever. But I don't know. I just... Look, I here's the thing. Miami has been playing better, right? And I don't know what happened against Florida State. I, well, I do know what happened. They were on pace for like over 400 yards worth of penalties uh, in the middle of the first quarter. So that that's what happened. Uh, now, it, it got better, and they stopped committing personal fouls, right? The, the reason why Florida State scored their first touchdown is Miami committed three personal foul penalties. Uh, Van Dyke's a good quarterback. Like, they got something there. Now... They can't run the ball worth a damn. And that was a great point, Robert. Like, they can't run. And Virginia Tech showed a propensity, at least last week, to stop the run, which we haven't seen on a consistent basis all year. 
this is a very good preview for the UVA game in a week because they're set up a bit similarly offensively from the standpoint of they really rely on their quarterback to make a ton of plays through the air. The difference is that with a healthy Brennan Armstrong, we'll see what we get, you know, but a healthy Brennan Armstrong is going to add the element with his legs, but UVA can't run the ball with their running backs and neither can Miami. So I think in a lot of ways, this is a really good preview. Uh, I'm just going to take Miami. I will not bet this game. I won't actually bet it. If you're going to take anything in this game, take the under though, for sure. But over four quarters, I mean, Miami has been able to create explosive plays on a more consistent basis than Virginia Tech has. And I think that ends up being the difference. So give me Miami by like eight or nine. I think they narrowly cover here. If we look at teams who have already fired their coach midseason, just kind of rattling off Texas Tech, TCU, um, Drop my pen. Uh, who else has Washington done it? Washington, State. Washington State, Washington State, um, LSU, Washington Florida. State got better. LSU got better. Washington covered the spread um, against Arizona State after firing Jimmy Lake. LSU got better, almost upset Alabama. Texas Tech uh, got better, beat Iowa State. TCU beat Baylor. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of examples of this and yes, college coaches mean a lot, right? But sometimes players just need a fire lit under them. And I think coming off of the Duke game where, yeah, Duke is terrible, right? Like Duke, Duke is one of the worst ACC football teams you will ever see. And that's saying a lot like that team is so, so bad. We watch Virginia tech every week and yeah, I mean, this isn't I, nearly the same situation. Duke's horrible. I, I mean, I think what Virginia tech has, offensively with guys. We've seen a few games in a row where Raheem Blackshear, Malachi Thomas, he was beat up, but they've run the ball well the last few games. If Burmeister can stay healthy, there's no part of this Miami team really scares you. I mean, it's not like they've been blowing out teams. In the games they have won, they've beaten Duke and they've beaten Georgia Tech. And, you know, I, I just... I'm not scared of this Miami team. I thought they were going to be so much better with Derek King. It didn't happen. Um, could have told you that. Yeah. Well, no. Thanks for telling me now, buddy. So, a little late. A little late. Are I wouldn't have listened. Picks on that. I would. I wouldn't have listened. I was so hell bent on it. I wouldn't have listened. Hammering that Miami and UNC under nine and a half wins was the easiest money I've made all year. Not even close. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I. We. We've seen this year teams that have fired head coaches immediately. Those teams start to play better football significantly better football in some cases. So just saying. Well, and I think it also begs the question, you know, I feel like Manny Diaz, his uh, relationship with the hot seat has been so off and on all year long where, I mean, he was getting fired, then he turned it around. And now it's like they fired their AD today. I think I think it does make you wonder if Miami ends this season on kind of a dud, especially if they lose their last two, they don't even make a bowl game. Um, I wonder what that does to Manny Diaz and his status with a potential new new athletic director. And I wonder if that's on his mind as he's coaching this game. Um, and I know maybe not for the players themselves, it may not really matter who their athletic director is, but I think that just for the general stability of the program, Losing your athletic director in the middle of the season, it kind of hurts, right? Am I, I? I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy for thinking that. It's not a good optic. It's not a good thing. Um, 
but I mean, it's Miami. I mean, they don't, they show up some weeks, they don't show up other weeks. I mean, they struggled against a bad Florida state team. Right. I guess nothing is ever stable there. So more like coral unstables. I was going to make a little joke, but that, that, that beat it. That beat it. Coral <laughs> unstables. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's move into games that we like because we don't like that one. Uh, I really do. I, uh, I have a family Thanksgiving on Saturday and that game will be on in the house. And, uh, I just hate that I have to ruin a holiday by watching that game. <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right. Well, games that we like anything that sticks out. I did get the line for that Hawaii Colorado state game. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, yeah, we will because Sam, you know that I'm going to be on. I'm going to be on that game with you. So we're, we've already we've already put that out to Twitter masses that we're going to be betting that game. So it's going to have to happen. Uh, I'll start here. One game that stuck out to me like a sore thumb, and it's a pretty big spread. So I don't know what you guys think of this. Notre Dame minus 17 at home against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech with Andrew Thacker running that defense can't stop anybody anybody and they don't know who's going to be playing quarterback jeff sims has been banged up they had jordan yates in there offensively it was kind of a slog against bc last week they're now going to south bend notre dame's rolling over everybody they play right now like this feels like a a game where notre dame can go up a few scores and put this thing on cruise control now maybe it's a letdown spot going to stanford i'm just kidding notre dame's not worried about stanford in a week this is it's a lot of points but i think you lay them I'll agree with that. I, I think that totally Kyron Williams too. Uh, I think Kyron Williams could be in for a big game just because Georgia Tech doesn't really defend the run well either. Yeah, it's a lot. But you guys see what he did last week. I don't know if any of you caught that game. I mean, they couldn't tackle him. I think Georgia Tech's defense, running defense, is worse than UVA's, which is saying something. Right. So I it's mean, bad. I, I, I'm on, I would be on that too. I mean, Kyron Williams might run for two fifty. Sam, I. Yes and no. Um, I, I I certainly wouldn't take Georgia Tech. I wouldn't put money on Georgia Tech. But I also mean Notre Dame has this issue, right? They struggled against a bad, a mediocre, but probably bad Toledo team. They struggled against the team in Purdue, which quite frankly, they should blow out. I know Purdue is pretty good, but they should blow out Purdue. Like Notre Dame has these issues. Yes, they win the games at home. They don't always blow out teams at home. So it's a, it's a little... Might be a stay away for you. I, I'm. It's going to be a stay away from me. But all the power to you. All the power to you. Um, a game. I just talked about big programs. I really like Bama minus twenty one versus Arkansas. Uh, I don't see Arkansas keeping that close at all. Uh, I think Bama's going to get into a groove. Uh, Wisconsin minus nine at home against Nebraska. Maybe playing better than anybody in the country right now is Wisconsin. Uh, UCLA is minus three against the Trojans in that game. Uh, I, I think USC is bad. I know Chris isn't on here to defend his Trojans, but I think they're bad. And um, last one for the big programs that I have, uh, Michigan is minus 15 at Maryland. Um, that game, they shouldn't even bother playing that game. Maryland's look ahead good. there? little look ahead? No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Michigan's backups would cover the spread versus Maryland. I'm so I serious. I agree. I yeah. agree with you. I agree. I'm on Michigan too. Yep. I got a couple uh a couple 
home SEC dogs that I'm on this week. Uh, the first of which is Missouri is plus nine hosting Florida. Uh, need I say more? Florida is a dumpster fire. Missouri's not very good, but Florida, they don't know what's going on out there right now. Um, I don't know if Missouri wins the game, but I think they can definitely cover a nine-point spread at home. And in that same breath, um, South Carolina plus seven and a half at home against Auburn. Bo Nix is out for the year. Uh, they've got TJ. Is it TJ Finley? Is that his name? Playing quarterback? Yes. Uh, transfer from LSU. He doesn't really throw the ball well. I, I don't. I don't know. Auburn's defense. I'm sorry. Auburn's offense is really, really going to take a hit from that. Um, South Carolina. I mean, if I'm Shane Beamer, I have to beat either Auburn or Clemson to make a bowl game. I think, I think this is their more realistic opportunity to try and do so. Um, yeah, I, I see South Carolina definitely keeping this one close. Williams Bryce stadium has been a pretty tough place to play this year. So, um, give me the Cox in that one. Uh, Strange bet here because I bet this team under six wins this year, but I'm betting them here. Nebraska plus not against Wisconsin. They lost five out of seven games in single digit. Ooh, little fight with Sam there? Other side of that? Yeah. I, I Nebraska's lost five of seven um in single digits. And I mean they're begging you to take this right here. So I'm going with uh Nebraska plus nine. In in Camp Randall in, in late November. Yes. A tough play. I don't think you can I don't think I can think of a tougher place to play um, than Camp Randall in late November. That's that's a tough one. Um, I do have some sicko, some slightly less sicko bets. Uh, Minnesota minus seven and a half at Indiana. I think Indiana is one of the worst teams in Power Five football. They're, a joke. they're horrible. They if they might be the reason Cincinnati doesn't make the playoff because they're so bad. Rutgers demolished them last week. I'm I'm fading Indiana. Colorado is plus six and a half against Washington. Bet Washington last week, going against them this week. Colorado's at home. They get six and a half points. Colorado has a good defense. I like the buffs in that one. And then let's get a little crazy with it. Sicko game of the week is Hawaii plus two and a half at home against Colorado State. Adazio doesn't know where he's going. He might show up to the wrong island. We don't know that. And the other. Um, a lot of green in this game. A lot of green. The mounds are green. The trees are green. The uniforms are green. The field is green. I like the Rainbow Warriors as home underdogs in that one. And uh, Utah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go go ahead. Baylor's only one point favorite against Kansas State. I've been riding Kansas State all year, and I've liked it, so I'm not going to bet against them. One point though, you think they're going to be? You think they're going to beat Baylor? You think it's a what? So you think this is where Baylor blows it? What down spot? Uh, it might be. It might be. Is Bill Snyder coaching? <laughs> Bill Snyder is still there. Oh, man. Well, speaking of really good coaches, Blake Anderson in the Utah State Aggies. Are Future Virginia Tech head coach, Blake Anderson? Um, that's mark? a podcast for another day, but that would be my number one guy. Blake Anderson, uh, the Utah State Aggies are five and a half point favorites at home against the Wyoming Cowboys. Wyoming has not been a good offensive team. Utah State is a good offensive team. Utah State eight and two this year, eight and two. They went from one and five last year to eight and two this year. Great job um, from Blake Anderson. And then my Pac-12 after dark game of the year: Oregon State plus three at home against Arizona State. Oregon State they're playing phenomenal football. They're running the ball really well. 
They're wearing their oh, throwback, all-black uniforms from the Chad yeah. Johnson era. Arizona State playing in Corvallis in late November? No, not a chance. Not a chance. They can't handle the cold weather. Oregon State wins this one in a blowout at home. A blowout. Beavers by multiple scores. I got a couple. Wake out, right? Death Valley. So oh, can't believe it's not talked about that one yet. So wake out right in Death Valley. So wake is uh depending on where you look, three and a half to four point dog. We only look at DraftKings though, for the record. But uh Wake is a four point dog. And the way I look at this is NC State was a pretty good defense. I thought they played pretty well defensively against Wake Forest last week, and Wake still scored 45 points. So I don't think Clemson can score the way that NC State was able to score, even though Wake's defense is not very good. Um, I think Wake's offense is going to be able to uh, outscore Clemson in Death Valley. I don't think they're afraid to go in there on the road this year. That's not something that should really concern them. Oh, man, I can't believe I'm going to talk about this game. Uh, West Virginia at home against Texas. Yep, I'm betting it. They're quitting on Sarkeesian. And it's not that Sarkeesian is the wrong hire. I don't think he is. I think he'll be fine. But you have a lot of Tom Herman's guys quitting on Steve Sarkeesian. They just got embarrassed against Kansas, as we all know, at home last Saturday. Give me West Virginia. They're a tough team to play at home. They'll on Pushker Stadium. We know how tough it is to go win in Morgantown. I don't think Texas is about to do it. West Virginia is not a good football team this year, guys. Oh, they stink. They're, they're not. They're not a good football team. They stink, but... That might Texas. be Tech's worst loss of the year, to be honest. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention, Bijan Robinson is out for the year. So that's also pretty significant. Rip to my Heisman candidate. It was good while it lasted. He's got next year. He's got it next year. It's easy. I was just a year early, if anything. All right, guys. Anything else? Anything else? Any futures? We'll talk coaching futures for the Hokies. That'll be, we'll do our coaching carousel pod. Um, at the end of the season, we'll do our conference championship pod. They'll have a fun time in December. I got, I got a question for you guys, and I'm, I'm probably staying away from this. Louisiana is an underdog at Liberty. Um, I legally cannot bet it in the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. But I think Malik Willis likes the raging Cajuns. Malik Willis is going to find his way into a third round draft pick slot wide receiver real quick. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I still don't get the hype around him. That's another conversation for another day, but I, I agree with that take. Not uh, as a quarterback, I don't really get it. Yeah. He's like he's he's on like what? He's like number three, two or three on some boards. I'm like, are you guys insane? But okay. Yeah, I mean he's got the physical tools or you know, where it's like, oh, you're watching warm up and you're like, Oh, who is this guy? But they said that about Jamarcus Russell, so you know, he has to actually be <laughs> able to do something on shorts. the field. So <laughs> as long as Malik Willis. Uh who is the Houston quarterback? Um, before Derek King, he's now playing with the 49ers. He's really good. Greg Ware. Greg Ward. Ward. Yeah, Greg Ward. Uh, I see him, I see him having that future in the NFL. I'll put it that way. As long as Malik Willis stays away from Jamarcus Russell's purple drink, I think we'll be all right. Uh I like the South Carolina pick, Irby, a lot. Plus the plus seven and a half. I think that's uh that's a good play with the uncertainty with the quarterback position at Auburn. You're playing at home. South Carolina gave that game away last week against Missouri. Game they probably should have won. Um, yeah, I think the game cost guy pull eligible there. So that's it. 
That's that's it. Uh, shout out Kansas for getting over one and a half wins and hitting my futures bet. Thank you very much. You're plus 21 at TCU. I'm not betting on you. That'll How do much it, of a sicko do you have to be to get to bet on Kansas? Come on. <laughs> Enough of a sicko to win it. I'll tell you that. I mean, we're betting on Hawaii Saturday night against Colorado State, and those teams have a combined record of 7-14, and 14, so we, we can bet on Kansas. All right. That'll do it for tonight, guys. Thanks so much. Again, a ton of content on soundofsaturday.com and on the Spotify feed. Thanks so much for tuning in. Irby, sound us out. Go Hokies.